0: And um, we're not going to start a new series tonight. We've finished one Peter now. And um, please pray for me. Uh, there are a few possibilities, but pray that the Lord will direct us to where to we are to feed next in His word. I don't want to take you where I think we should go, and I don't want to take us where the elders think we should go. I want for myself, elders and us as congregation, uh, to go to those pastures. Where our good shepherd uh, would have us feed. Uh, so I would really appreciate uh, prayer in that regard. Uh, so I'm going to do something tonight I've never done before. Uh, it's a springtime sermon. And uh, in our reading, in the Song of Songs chapter two, I think we've got very relevant verses. Uh, let me read uh, some of them again. mr spurgeon has got a sermon entitled a sermon for spring from these verses which i'm greatly indebted to and and i just read verse 10 or verse 11 the winter is past the rain is over and gone (laughs) in palestine the winter was the wet season um We've got wet seasons all the time. <laughs> the flowers appear on the earth. Haven't we noticed that in recent weeks? Starting with the snowdrops and then the daffodils and soon the bluebells. And the time of singing has come. The birds. And the voice of the turtle dove. The turtle in the old translation. But it's the turtle dove. Do you know what a turtle dove sounds like? a cooing sound, a very mellow sound uh, that is the arrival of spring. And then the fig tree, we don't have those, but in Palestine, they would have their uh, immature green figs. And then, uh, I like this, the vines with the tender grapes give a good smell. Uh, The spring has come. The winter is over. Now then, this book is a collection of love songs. If you think of an album, an album is often a collection of love songs. So it's the love between Solomon and his bride-to-be. Human love is God-given, and it's to be celebrated as we'll be doing uh, on Friday. But it's much more than that. Uh, Jesus is Solomon's a jesus says i am the bridegroom and the church is my bride so it's not just a description of man and woman in their relationship but it's an even deeper picture of the love between the bridegroom the king uh the beloved as he's called and his bride whether that's an individual christian or a Church, it doesn't matter, it can be one or the other. And Jesus here is speaking, and He's saying to His bride, Come, rise up, come away. The spring is here. And you know what? It is possible to have a spiritual winter followed by a spiritual spring. And my longing for this church, for my own soul. And for us as a collection of God's people is that we would have a spiritual springtime. Don't you want that? Now, let's just open this up. I don't know how long I'll be and look at what it means. uh, The spring has come. What does it mean spiritually? And my first point is this. I found this poem in Spurgeon's sermon. I don't know who wrote it, but listen to it. The Jewish Wintery state is gone, the mists are fled, the spring comes on. The turtle dove we hear, they proclaim the new, the joyful year. The immortal vine of heavenly roots blossoms and buds and gives her fruits. Lo, we are come to taste the wine. Our souls rejoice and bless the vine. What's that referring to? The spring has come spiritually 2,000 years ago with the sending of Jesus Christ into the world. He instituted the new covenants. That's what we call the period we are in. So you've got the old covenants in the Old Testaments and now it's spring. Uh, It's fresh. Uh it's so important to notice that. Let me just go through a few things here, just to show you what I mean. Uh, the letter to the Galatians describes the people of God in the old covenants as still being in primary school. That <laughs> they were in an immature state, that they were under uh the law. That didn't mean that they weren't saved and that they didn't have the gospel but in terms of God's dealings with them, there was an immaturity. Now, in the new covenant, we've graduated, as it were, to high school. So, uh, if you've come to this church for the first time, you will notice that there's no altar at the front of the church. There's just a communion table. We've got no sacrifices to offer. The sacrifice has been accomplished. Isn't that wonderful? We we don't need to do anything to be saved. We just look at Calvary and we're saved. There's no priest. Um, Sorry to disappoint our Iranian brethren. Some of them call me priest. I'm not a priest. The priests offered the sacrifice and now the great high priest has come jesus christ and he didn't just offer the sacrifice he was the sacrifice and you know what the priest is doing now the priest now is interceding for us forevermore he ever lives to make intercession isn't that brilliant we've got somebody in heaven representing us and then this church this building isn't God's house in the sense that the Old Testament people had the tabernacle and the temple. Do you know what the tabernacle and the temple was? It was the dwelling place of God. That now is done away because Jesus is the dwelling place of God. And we, living stones, are being built up a spiritual temple. So, do you realize? the winter is gone in terms of the old covenants being over and now the springtime of the new covenant has come jesus is described isn't he as the son of righteousness and so you can imagine the cold mists of the old covenants and then the sun of righteousness gradually rising throughout the old testament and then when the fullness of the times have come the sun reaching its zenith and burning the mist away. And now in Jesus Christ, we don't need all the symbols. We don't need all the shadows. That's immature. It's gone. We've got the substance. We've got the simplicity. We worship now in spirit and in truth. So that's one thing. <sighs> He's alive, pleading for you and for me. And then in the old covenant, the gospel was limited to one nation, the Jews. Thank God that's no more. Praise be to the Lord that the gospel spread on the day of Pentecost to all nations. If that hadn't happened, you and I wouldn't be in a meeting like this, would we? And do you know what age we are living in? It's the era of the Spirit. Let, let me read... Uh, some verses Uh, peter when he preached the first sermon of the church on the day of pentecost he quoted joel and he said and it shall come to pass in the last days says god that's the days we're living in between the first and the second coming of jesus christ that i will pour out my spirit on all flesh not just prophets but your sons and your daughters shall prophesy you are young men shall see visions you are old men shall dream dreams The new covenant, the spring, there is a life in the new covenant, my friends, that there wasn't in the old covenant. The old covenant was the winter, now it's the springtime of the church. The possibilities of the new covenant, we're in a better position than even Abraham or Moses or David was in, because we see the big picture, and now we have the promise of the Holy Spirit. That's the first thing. And then my second point: it's springtime, in our own experience, when we're born again, isn't it? I don't know. Where were you before you were converted? Um, maybe some of you here were in the world. I, I don't want to ask you to raise your hands. but how many of you were in the world, be- before you were saved? You didn't come to church? until later on in life and you know the world it's got its bright light hasn't it but it's superficial Um, I hope I won't get into trouble for this but I'm trying to learn this song on guitar Mick Jagger said I can't get no satisfaction that's the world when I'm driving in my car and the man comes on the radio he's telling me more and more about some useless information. Supposed to fire my imagination. That's the world. Useless information. We were talking about big things this morning. You don't get that in the world, do you? You get the same recycled thoughts. What's the big things? The big things are to do with my soul, eternity, my relationship with God. And maybe you are in the world and you did not get any satisfaction out of it you might have tried the broken systems and found them all to fail and then you to jesus christ and he is your all in all the world many of us we were brought up in religion I, I can remember now when i was a boy i had to go to chapel every sunday morning and i hated it is there anybody here like that I was forced to go, it was dull, it, it was cold, winter, it was formal, it was mechanical, there was no life and then I found Jesus Christ and I loved, loved the word the preaching, the praising, the praying. But it wasn't in religion. It was in a living relationship with Jesus Christ. Anybody here this evening who's still only got religion? Has anybody experienced? You don't have to experience this to come to Christ. But I'm thinking of winter leading to spring. Have any of you experienced The north wind of conviction of sin. Have you experienced that? I experienced it for a few months. It was horrible. You you know the north wind? It goes right through your bones, doesn't it? And sometimes God, by his spirit, convicts us of our sin in order to frighten us so that we run to Jesus Christ, the north wind of conviction. In Welsh, we call it Bulch yr the gap of conviction if you've ever climbed a mountain you'll know what I'm talking about sometimes it's not the summit of the mountain that's the windiest but the call the gap between the peaks because it funnels the winds and isn't that an apt description of conviction of sin the north wind coming upon our souls Uh, listen this is how Spurgeon puts it we have our winter dreary howling winter when the north wind of the law gushes rushes forth against us when every hope is nipped you can imagine this can't you in winter when all the seeds of joy lie buried beneath the dark clods of despair thanks be unto god that the soft south wind then breathes upon our soul the south wind the love of jesus christ blowing away the fears. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. C- can I use this illustration? I know I go on about mountains, but I, I had a- an interesting experience on Thursday climbing a mountain in Snowdonia called Moel Shabod. Uh When we started the climb, it-, it was dull, right? Dull. It felt like winter and it was cold that there was mist and as we were climbing we could see a brightness coming from the south and gradually it didn't quite clear the summit (laughs) but gradually the southern winds were bringing warmth and you know when it's foggy you can sometimes just see a bit of blue Uh, it's not clear blue but it's just a hazy blue and we could see that blue getting brighter and brighter and then we were in the warmth of the sunshine there were still the clouds left over on the north side of the mountain but on the south side it was warming up what was happening oh it was the south wind and the rays of the sun burning away the fog and that happens to us spiritually doesn't it Uh, when many of us came to Christ we we were in the fog maybe we were being convicted of sin it was cold it was terrifying and then suddenly or gradually I don't know how it happened to you the south wind of the spirits manifesting Jesus Christ worked in our hearts and you know what we saw we saw not the summit of Moel Shabbod we saw the summit of Mount Calvary And what we saw on that summit wasn't a trig point, but a cross. And what we saw on that cross was a man hanging. And who we saw wasn't just a man. It was the Son of God. And what we began to understand with clarity was that he was dying there for our sins. And the peace that flooded into our hearts as a result was amazing. He loved me and gave himself for me and we're just overwhelmed no more fear it's peace now peace perfect peace the blood of jesus whispers peace within and you know what happens it's the springtime of our souls now there is life in us i don't know if you had this experience after you first believed in jesus christ But I had this new life in me for months. It's still in me, but the freshness of it for the first few months was quite overwhelming. I can understand the hymn we just sung, Heaven Above is softer blue. Earth around is sweeter green. Something lives in every hue. Christless eyes have never seen. So I would go to places I was very familiar with and yet they'd be different. Of course, the places hadn't changed. What had changed was me, and my view of them had changed. Oh, are you saved? I'm not asking, have you had a certain experience? I'm just asking, is there life in you? The springtime of your soul. As we get older we forget what it's like to be a new convert don't we a church can get into a rut we keep on saying how terrible is the world outside because we forget how wonderful the grace of god is that rescued us from such a world don't we need to have people saved To give us a shot in the arm again and make us realize it's amazing grace and i'll never forget hearing the broken prayer of a new convert in a prayer meeting how it lifted the meeting many times that has happened Uh, you you know what the lambs are like in spring Um, forgive me for using my imagination here but You know, the lambs, they're kind of jumping, aren't they, uh, on the fields. And, oh, we should let young converts have their time of joy. Uh, Oh, how cynical we can become. I remember hearing uh, of one person. They were told that a young person had been converted. And instead of rejoicing, all they could say was, well, we need to give them time. We need to see if it's genuine. I know we have to be wise. But my friends, if there is great joy in heaven over one sinner that repents, shouldn't that be replicated in the church? So the springtime of new life, oh, may there be new life in this place again, in great multitude. We have experienced some. Praise God. Praise God for every conversion. Everyone saved on camp. Everyone saved during the year but may we know more. And then one last point. This is my most important point, and there's not a huge amount of time. It's not just the springtime of the new life, is it? Because after you're converted, you will have your seasons, won't you? We have our seasons as a church. Spiritual life ebbs and flows. And so there are spiritual winters, aren't there? I think I'm right in saying that the church in the west at the moment is in a spiritual winter. Now, there are pockets here and there where th- there are thaws. But in general, the church in the west is in a state of winter. The church in some parts of the world is in spring. Where are you spiritually? Is it winter? Or have you got spring fever? Spring. F- Do you know what spring fever is? It's not just the flowers appearing on the land. It's the green, the the blossoms, uh, the bloom. Uh, when you go out into the woods and uh, go out on the Hills, you begin to notice this. Uh, even a few weeks ago, it, it was still a bit drab. And then suddenly, just in a matter of weeks, everything has turned green. You walk up in uh, uh, Park Kevnon and you notice the green in bloom. There are ebbs and flows. Now, can I say a few things? I want to encourage you. We sometimes think, if it's winter in our church or in our souls, it's our fault. It's, it's not, it can be our fault. But there are just times and seasons, you know? And even in winter, there's still life. Uh, the snowdrops, they, they come before spring, don't they? The creatures, they're hibernating. They're still there. They're just asleep. And the plants that are going to be in bloom... The seeds, they're just underground. And doesn't God teach his people, especially in the Old Testament, that there's a remnant even in the day of small things. God has his remnant. God has his people in Wales, in the United Kingdom, in the West. You know, you can drive from Cardiff to North Wales. And even though it's barren spiritually, you can still meet members of God's family. I find that so thrilling that I can think of village after village, town after town, where I know brothers and sisters in Christ. Isn't that encouraging? God has his remnants. But, but, don't you long for springtime? Don't you long for it? I've just got three examples and then I think I'll finish. ebb and flow the protestant reformation we've been celebrating it's about a year or so ago it was an anniversary that was springtime wasn't it after the dark ages the light of the gospel shone you know france is known as the dark country spiritually as somebody said it's the missionary's graveyard and soon after the Protestant Reformation in France there was the Saint Bartholomew's Day massacre when many Protestant Christians were killed and the Huguenots the Christians had to flee. And 100 200 300 years afterwards today France is still hard as nails a dark place. How privileged we are to have missionaries in France. But even in that dark period, this is what I'm trying to get at, God brought springtime to some of his people. Um, I've got this example. Have you heard of Madame Guyon? She was a mystic in 17th century France. So in spiritual darkness, in winter, this one lady had spring fever. Isn't that good? You can have a spring fever when everything around you is cold. And she wrote her prayer out. This is a person who's come back to life uh, because God is dealing with her. Oh, may we have these desires. This is how she puts it. It's a bit of old English, but it's good. <laughs> Let me read it. What is this vein, this visionary scene of mortal things to me? My thoughts aspire beyond the narrow bounds of rolling spheres. The world is crucified and dead to me and I am dead to all its empty shows. So she's saying I can't get no satisfaction in the world. But she doesn't stop at that. She goes on. She'd had her spring, you see. But oh, for thee unbounded desires warm my panting soul and call forth All her powers. Isn't that life? What air can raise desire or give delight or with full joy replenish every wish. It's found in thee, thou infinite abyss. What a description of God. Infinite. And she ends of ecstasy and life. Do you know what it is to be Ecstatic. This lady was ecstatic in a time of darkness. You and I can have a spring fever. Pray that God will do that to your soul, that you'll be ecstatic. That's one example. I like that. Another example. Wales, land of revivals. We may have rose-tinted spectacles in looking at God's moving in Wales in the past. And we might think that it was all revival. It wasn't the golden age of preaching in Wales was the first half of the 19th century. And we may think that was all spring. It wasn't. It was ebb and flow. I think Geraint will tell you that usually there'd be 10 years of no revival. 10 years? My favorite preacher from that time, Christmas Evans. One-eyed preacher of Wales. He had his winter during one of those periods. He was a believer, but he was cold. He'd imbibed Sandemanianism, which basically said a head knowledge was enough. And you know what? He'd had enough of it. Have you had enough of just dry orthodoxy? Have you had enough of it? I'm all for what Christmas Evans experienced on Cader Idris. I've read this before. I'm going to read it again because it's worth hearing. He says he was traveling from north to south Wales. He was going over the mountain Cader Idris near Dolgellau, And he said, I was fed up of a cold heart towards Christ. And his sacrifice and the work of his spirit, of a cold heart in the pulpit, in prayer and in study. For 15 years previously, I had felt my heart burning within. And then, on a day ever to be remembered, as I was going from Dolgethai to Machantleth and climbing toward Kader Idris, I considered it uh, necessary for me to pray, however hard I felt my heart however worldly the frame of my spirit was. Do you do that? It doesn't matter if you don't feel like praying, pray until you pray. And then he says, having begun in the name of Jesus, I soon felt as it were the fetters loosening and the old hardness of heart softening. And as I thought, mountains of frost and snow dissolving and melting within. Oh God, do that to us. Do that to other churches in Wales. As Christmas Evans was having that experience, his churches on Anglesey were being dealt with in the same way. Oh, God, in the next few weeks and months, may we hear of Thor. A Thor. A My last example, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. This fantasy land, Narnia, with the ruler Aslan the Lion, who's a picture of Jesus Christ. Do you know the story? It had been a long winter under the reign of the white witch, and people didn't know what to do. And four people from this world, sons of Adam, went into Narnia through the wardrobe, and they met the beavers, <laughs> very practical people, the beavers. And they hear about the white witch and the spell she cast in the winter. And Peter, the oldest of the children, say, can't we have some stratagem? In other words, can't we organize something? Can't we do something about it? And Mr. Beaver, even though he's a practical man, he said, it's no good, son of Adam. No good you are trying. But now that Aslan is on the move, Aslan on the move and if you read the book i haven't got time i'm not going to read it to you now but you need to read it oh the way c.s lewis describes the thaw the gradual description the fog beginning to burn away the snow beginning to show patches of green flowers beginning to grow again the birds are singing again and oh there's a warmth coming back to the land and there's a little poem Wrong will be right when Aslan comes in sight. At the sound of his roar, sorrows will be no more. When he bears his teeth, winter meets its death. And when he shakes his mane, we shall have spring again. What does the beloved say? Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come. Come. Come to me, Jesus says. Isn't that what Christianity is? Jesus Christ. Come to me. Don't be satisfied with head knowledge. Come and experience me. Oh, godliness. What's godliness? Godliness is not respectability. Be done with being respectable. Come to me. As you are, be honest about your experiences. Come. Don't be afraid. Come to me. Haven't you had enough of, politics trying to keep up appearances just come to me that's what Jesus is saying and you know he won't draw he won't draw his voice is the voice of the turtle dove the cooing the wooing the still small voice speak Can you pray this? Speak, I pray thee, gentle Jesus. This is spring, isn't it? Coming. Oh, how passing sweet thy words, breathing o'er my troubled spirits, peace which never earth affords, all the world's distracting voices, all its enticing tones of ill, at thy accents, that's all we need, at thy accents, mild, melodious, are subdued, and all is still. May we know a springtime in our hearts, in our midst, and to God alone be the glory, for his name's sake. Amen.